Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 4 and 13 through 21. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they follow my instruction or not. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, and omer to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it was with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, as much as each needed. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So last Sunday, I told you a story from my time this summer up at a place called Camp Michigami. That wasn't the only week that I spent at camp this summer. I also spent some time at a place called Lake Louise. Now, Lake Louise is a camp in northern Michigan. Many court streeters spend time at camp over the summer as volunteers and as campers. And for about a decade now, I've helped to lead an elementary camp up at Lake Louise. I love working with elementary-aged campers. For many of our campers at our elementary camp, this is the first time that they've spent the night away from home. This is their first experience of camping. And so they bring with them a sense of awe and wonder. Everything is new and exciting. And if we can reach campers at that young age, we have the opportunity to instill a sense of the love of God and an appreciation of God's creation that could last for a lifetime. I love working with elementary age campers. But of course, it's not always easy. There are some challenges to working with campers who are so young. The biggest challenge we face, the, th the challenge that we find over and over again, year after year after year, is homesickness. And when the campers get dropped off at camp that first night on Sunday night, there's a sort of an adrenaline rush. And the first few hours pass in a, a flurry of exploring the camp and making new friends. Those first few hours go really fast for our campers. But then the day starts to wind down and we get the campers ready for bed. And that's when campers look around and realize that there's no parent there to tuck them in at night. And they discover that the bunks at camp are not quite as comfortable as the beds that they're used to at home. And as they settle in and try to go to sleep where they're used to quiet, suddenly there are all of these noises, noises of other people breathing and rolling over and snoring. And it's at that moment 
Just as the campers are getting ready to sleep that first night, that's the moment when homesickness settles in. Now, for many campers, homesickness will just last for a few minutes, maybe for that first night, and then they wake up the next morning and they discover that they're at camp and they're excited and they're off and they have a great week and they don't think about home again. And we have to, we have to pack them into the cars with their families. We have to force them to go home with their families at the end of the week because they want to stay at camp. But for some campers, for maybe one in every 20 campers, that homesick feeling lingers. Sometimes it lingers the whole week long. Sometimes we really have to work to help a camper that age make it through a whole week of camp. And we want campers that age to make it through an entire week of camp. We know that if a camper, a homesick camper, can make it through a whole week of camp, then at the end of that week of camp, they'll be able to look back and feel proud of themselves, that they're going to have grown in confidence And chances are, in the car on the way home, they're going to tell their family just how much they can't wait to get back to camp the next year. And so we work really hard to make sure that every camper, even those homesick campers, have the opportunity to have a great week at camp, an entire week at camp. I've been working with elementary campers for close to 30 years now, and so I've learned some of the things that you can do to help a homesick camper make it through a whole week of camp. One of the things that we know about homesickness is that Campers start to feel homesick when they get hungry. And so one of the ways that we resist and battle homesickness is by making sure that our campers have lots of food and healthy meals and snacks. We keep their bellies full all week long. Another thing we know is that homesickness tends to bite whenever campers start to get bored. When they slow down in those moments when there's nothing much to do, that's when they start thinking about home and how much they love to be at home with their pets and their room and their toys. And so we keep our campers busy. We do everything we can to keep them active and moving all day long so they don't have time to feel homesick. Those are two of the main ways we keep campers from feeling that homesickness. We keep them fed and we keep them busy. But then there are some campers, some campers for whom that homesick feeling is so acute that we have to work with them day after day after day, helping them to enjoy their time at camp. And for those particularly acute cases, for those campers who are going to wrestle with homesickness all week long, there's really only one strategy that works. There's really only one thing we can do. We have to walk them through a week of camp, one day, one moment, one step at a time. That first night as they're going to bed and they start to say to their counselors, you know, I think I'd like to go home now. Can you call my parents? What we do is we say, well, it's pretty late. Your parents wouldn't be able to come and get you now anyhow. So let's get through the night and see how we're feeling in the morning. And then they make it through the night. And we get them up in the morning and we get them moving and we fill the morning with lots of activities. So many activities that they don't have time to feel homesick. And then And then at lunchtime, if they come to us and say, you know, I'm still feeling homesick, we say, well, let's see if you can make it through beach time. Now, you've come all this way to camp. It would be a shame to go home without getting to enjoy some time playing at the beach. And then after beach time, we feed them a great big dinner, and then we launch into the evening activities so that by the time they have the time to start feeling homesick, again, it's late in the evening, and we say, well, it's pretty late. Your parents wouldn't be able to come and get you now anyhow. Let's see if we can make it through the night and see how you're feeling tomorrow morning. That's how we get our homesick campers through a week of camp. We give them short-term goals. 
We help them to focus one step down the road. We never say to a homesick camper, well, all you got to do is hang in there until Saturday and then your parents will come to pick you up. Because we know that to a camper that age who is at camp for the very first time, Saturday, a week away, might as well be a hundred years into the future. Instead, we help them to focus just one step down the road and step by step by step, we carry them through an entire week. And it works Year after year, with camper after camper, no matter how bad that homesickness is, it works again and again and again. I've been watching it happen. I've been watching it work for 30 years. I've discovered that one step at a time, we can carry somebody through what seems like it will be an impossible journey. And of course, we shouldn't be surprised that the one step at a time method works. After all, it was God who invented it. In our scripture reading this morning, we have a story of Moses and the Israelites. As we pick up the story today, we find Moses and the Israelites just a few hours after God has set them free from slavery in the land of Egypt. Now, maybe you remember how the story goes. The Israelites were held captive as slaves in the land of Egypt. And in their suffering, they cried out to God and God heard them crying out and God decided to set them free. God said, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a new home, all of your own. And then God acted. God kept God's promise. God set the people free. And in the story, there comes a moment when the people cross over. They cross the border. They exit the land of Egypt. They take their first few steps into freedom, their first few steps into the wilderness. And in that moment, they experience a a surge of adrenaline. And they begin to play the tambourine and dance, and sing God's praises. In those first sweet moments of freedom, they have a celebration, and they give thanks for all the things that God has done. But that spirit of celebration, that initial adrenaline rush, it doesn't last very long. As a matter of fact, it lasts just about as long as it takes for the Israelites to start feeling hungry and bored. And so in today's scripture reading, just a few verses later, in the very next chapter after that story about the great big celebration the Israelites have in the wilderness, we suddenly hear the Israelites beginning to grumble. They grumble at Moses. They say, Moses, why did you bring us out here? We don't know how long this journey is going to take. We don't know where we're going or what kind of home God has planned for us. We don't don't feel like taking any more steps until this whole thing has been explained and figured out. And if you can't tell us how long this is going to take, if you can't tell us where this journey is going to end, then we just as soon turn back. Now, our beds in Egypt, they weren't comfortable, but at least they were familiar. And the work we did in Egypt, it was hard, but at least we knew what every day would bring. The food that we ate in Egypt, it might have been spoiled and rotten, but at least we had something in our bellies. Moses, if it's all the same to you, why don't we turn this train around and go back home? See if they'll take us back, back home in the land of Egypt. Well, Moses didn't know what to do. As this great wave of homesickness swept through the people, as they suddenly felt a longing for a familiar place, a place that they knew, Moses turned to God. And God knew what to do. God spoke to Moses. God said, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to shower bread from heaven upon my people. 
And when that happens, I want you to give them some instructions. I want you to tell them to gather up, collect as much bread as they can eat in one day. And tell them to eat all of that bread and trust in me that I will provide them with enough bread for the next day and the day after that and the day after that. Tell them not to store up any leftovers, but only take as much as they need for one day. Tell them exactly that, and then we will see how well they follow instructions. The next morning, when the Israelites woke up in the wilderness, they looked around and they saw this flaky white stuff all over the ground. They said, Moses, what's going on? Moses said, this is the bread that God has provided. God has rained down bread from heaven. Collect up as much food as you need for today. Everyone take as much as you want. Eat as much as you'd like, but don't save any leftovers for tomorrow. Trust that God will make it happen again tomorrow morning. And so the people picked up some of this flaky white stuff and they tasted it. And it didn't taste bad. It tasted like coriander seed. And they gave it a name. They called it manna, which is a kind of a joke. In the Hebrew language, the word manna literally means something like, what on earth is this stuff? And they collected it up. They gathered it and they ate and everyone ate until their bellies were full. But of course, there were some people who just couldn't follow instructions. There were some people who said, you know what, I'm going to put a little bit extra in my pockets, a little bit extra in my pack when Moses isn't looking, just in case God doesn't come through tomorrow morning. But then, the next morning when they woke up, they looked around and again, the ground was covered with all of this flaky white stuff. And the people who had stored up leftovers overnight, they found that the leftovers they had saved had turned rotten and spoiled and were full of worms. And they realized that they were going to have to collect this manna each and every day. And I wonder if at this point you can see just how brilliant God's plan was. What did God do when the people were feeling homesick? God fed the people. God filled their bellies so they wouldn't be hungry. And God gave them something to do, a chore that they would have to accomplish, something to keep their hands busy and their minds off Egypt each and every single day. And even more than that, God taught the Israelites to take this journey one day, one moment, one step at a time. If God had said to the Israelites right then, it's going to be 40 years before we reach the promised land, they would have been disheartened. They would have taken it like a body blow. They would have turned around and gone back to Egypt. But God didn't tell them that they were about to set off on a 40-year journey. Instead, God said, I want you to focus on one day, one moment, one step at a time. That's how we're going to get through the wilderness. That's how we're going to accomplish this seemingly impossible journey, focusing just a little bit farther down the road. And God carried them day after day, step by step, moment by moment, all the way, all the way to the promised land. In much the same way that God has been carrying you and me for the last year and a half. And when this pandemic started and we decided that we were going to have to worship online, do you remember what that felt like? We thought maybe we'll do this for a couple weeks and it's going to be weird and uncomfortable, but at least it'll be over soon and we can all get back to normal. And then a couple weeks passed and we said, well, maybe this will all be over by Easter and won't it be great to be back in this place, back in the sanctuary again to celebrate Easter Sunday. And then Easter came 
And Easter went and we said, well, maybe at the end of summer when school gets started up again, we'll be able to get back into the sanctuary and then summer ended. And we said, well, maybe by Christmas we'll be back in the sanctuary. And Christmas came and Christmas went and we just kept going one week, one day, one moment, one step at a time until finally we got to this place. You know, if you had told me at the very beginning of this pandemic that we were going to be worshiping online together for 78 Sundays in a row, for an entire year and a half, I would have taken it like a body blow. I would have been disheartened and disillusioned. And so it's probably just as well that we didn't know when we set off in this journey just how far and just how long it would be. Instead, what we've discovered over the last 78 Sundays, what we've discovered in the last year and a half, is that we can make it through just about any journey as long as we walk one step at a time with God beside us. And now next Sunday, we have this exciting thing that's going to happen in this place. Next Sunday, many of us are going to return for the first time in a year and a half to worship, in-person worship here in the sanctuary. And many of us will also choose to continue to worship online. And even as we begin to look forward to this moment of celebration, what is sure to be a great rush of adrenaline next Sunday morning, already now, we can see that this homecoming of ours, this homecoming that we have waited so long for, is going to be probably a little bit messy and a little bit complicated, and it's not going to happen all at once. That's how homecomings often are. They can be messy and they can be complicated, and they don't always happen all at once. As soon as the church council voted to approve a return to in-person worship, we started wrestling with all of these questions that we didn't have good answers to. Questions like, once we're back in person, what is online worship going to look like? How can we have a meaningful children's time if most of our children can't be vaccinated and many of them are still going to be worshiping from home? What are we going to do if we come to in-person worship and somebody who we maybe haven't seen in months suddenly wants to come up and give us a hug or shake our hand and we realize in that moment that we're not ready for hugs and handshakes yet? How do we navigate that moment? We have all of these unanswered questions. We don't know exactly where this journey is going to take us. We're going to be walking for a while through a, a season that can be messy and complicated and maybe even frustrating. But the good news is this. The faith that we will need to get through this homecoming season, the faith that we will need to get through this season of transition in the life of the church, is the same faith that we have been practicing for the last year and a half. The faith that we're going to need for the next few weeks is that one day, one moment, one step at a time kind of faith. The faith we're going to need for the next few weeks, the faith we're going to need during this season of homecoming is that give us this day our daily bread kind of faith. The faith that will carry us through these next few weeks is that I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know that God is with me today kind of faith. If we can continue to have that faith through this season of homecoming, in the same way that we have had that, that one step at a time kind of faith during our wandering season, our year and a half in the wilderness, then I have no doubt that one day in God's time we will discover 
that the grace that brought us safe this far has safely led us home. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks because you have carried us farther than we ever thought we would go. We give you thanks for not telling us at the beginning of this journey just how long it would be. We give you thanks for walking with us one week, one day, one moment, one step at a time for the last year and a half. We give you thanks for this moment of celebration that we are about to experience, this day of homecoming. And we pray that when the homecoming turns out to be messy and complicated, that you would walk with us just as you walked with the Israelites. That you would help us to move just one step farther down the road until suddenly one day we find our feet standing in the promised land. These things we pray in Jesus. Amen.